Hello and welcome to Bad Europe, a regular series of short podcasts that explores all that is wretched, awful and vile in the history of the European continent. I'm your host, Mike Stutchbury, and if you're wondering whether British history will be covered, well, I'll be giving that its own series, Bad Britannia. This week, we'll be looking at the Bauernkrieg, or German Peasants' War. It's a relatively central event to begin with, in terms of our coverage, and it was also really, really, really quite bloody. By the late 15th century, big changes were occurring across the Holy Roman Empire, what we call Germany today. About 150 years following the Black Death in 1348 and 1349, a reduced population meant that those who tilled the land and were farmers had much more earning potential than those of their ancestors. The nature of the European economy had begun to change as well, as people flocked to the cities and towns and starting practicing trades on a scale as yet unseen. In the city of Augsburg, for example, the grandson of peasants, Jakob Fugger, became one of the richest men to ever live by lending money to finance both growing industry and the military ambition of nobles. Cities began to earn their independence from the landowning nobility, taking on the mantle of free imperial cities granted by the Holy Roman Empire. These soon became powerhouses of commerce and culture. Gutenberg's printing press also fundamentally changed things. The time and energy taken to disseminate writing was greatly reduced, leading to an explosion of new ideas across the continent. Sounds all good, right? Well, no, not so much for the existing nobility. They depended on the peasants, or Bauern, for their labour. If the little people wanted to head off to the cities and earn a living, that would mean a substantial drop in their fortunes. That wouldn't do. The nobles badgered the Holy Roman Emperor, Charles V, to uphold and strengthen Roman civil law, the legal code that established a tough form of ownership over, over the land-working peasantry. Unfortunately for the nobles, these moves coincided with the Protestant Reformation of Martin Luther, who sought to tear down the authority of the church. Empowered by Luther's fiery rhetoric, along with the utopian speeches of a preacher called Thomas Munzer, peasant communities across southern Germany began to talk of revolution. Word became action in 1524, when the feudal lady of Stullingen, near the Black Forest, ordered her peasants to start collecting snail shells to be used as thread spools. It had been a really bad couple of harvests, and people were hungry and tired. Reaching a breaking point, the peasants refused, came up with a list of demands of their feudal overlord, and raised a banner, calling for those aggrieved to flock to them. Within six months, most of southern Germany was ablaze with revolt. Bands of peasants marched to join their brothers, and in March 1525, many gathered at the town of Memmingen, where the Zwölf Artikel, or Twelve Articles, were signed. This was a declaration of revolt against the nobles of the Swabian League, the ruling authority of that part of the Holy Roman Emperor. Uh, sorry, Empire. Organised peasant armies began to march on small towns and monasteries, quickly subduing them and bringing on board new converts to the cause. Many of these were inflamed by the rhetoric of peasant leaders that had been printed and sent from town to town. A real technological revolution enabling a real revolution. On April 25th, 1525, at the town of Weinsberg near Heilbronn, a peasant army took out their hatred against a particularly hated noble, Ludwig, Count of Helfenstein. Having taken the town with minimal loss of life, the peasant army surrounded the Count and his knights on the slopes of the hill overlooking the town, close to his castle. The Count and his men were stripped of their armour and forced to run a gauntlet of pikes and swords, until most of them had been impaled and killed. The Count himself managed to survive until a local woman called the Black Hoffman, 
long rumoured to be a witch locally, leapt from the crowd, stabbed him and smeared his blood and fat all over the peasant leaders, urging them on to greater action. The castle was then ransacked and the Count's family released, but with a warning not to come back. This massacre at Weinsberg shocked many. Martin Luther, who was originally supportive of the rebellion, turned his back on it in this stage and began writing pamphlets against it. Some cities began to frantically call for aid in case they became the next target of the rampaging peasants. The Swabian League ordered in more men, specifically experienced foreign mercenaries called Landesknechts, to defend the cities and estates of the nobility. It was probably this move that was to doom the rebellion. Every time the peasant armies approached a major city, they were sent packing by vastly more experienced mercenary troops, armed with cannons and early guns. Definitely an advantage. They were defeated at the battles of Königshafen and Böblingen in May and June 1525, and the survivors forced to flee in terror. Meanwhile, the rebellion was dealt another killer blow on April 29th, 1525, when troops under the preacher Thomas Münzer were lured into a trap at Frankenhausen by the forces of the Dukes of Hesse and Saxony. They were massacred horribly. Münzer, seen by many as a prophet sent for heaven, was captured, tortured and publicly executed, convincing many that the rebellion was doomed. Plenty of people began to stay home. The death knell of the Peasants' War came on the 4th of June 1525, when the remaining peasant troops decided to lay siege to the Marienburg, a fortress overlooking the city of Würzburg. This endeavour was doomed from the beginning, and the fate of the peasants was sealed when the army of Goetz von Berlichingen arrived. Goetz, known as the Iron Hand due to the fact that he had, well, an iron hand that he fitted after a cannonball knocked off the original, was a fierce fighter and a clever tactician. He directed his forces to encircle the besieging peasants and methodically hacked their way through their number. It was an utter bloodbath. Over 8,000 were killed. Many of those who survived were rounded up, captured, executed, and their parts put all over the place as a warning to others. There would be occasional flare-ups in the years following 1525, but there wouldn't be another rebellion on the same scale in Europe until 1789. The peasants lost whatever rights they had left, and the feudal order in the Holy Roman Empire while ultimately doomed, it was given an extension of a few more centuries. So, why care about the German Peasants' War? Personally, I believe that it shatters several myths that we have about the role of the peasantry in the late medieval period. Rather than being submissive and unambitious, they instead were capable of organisation on a scale nobody ever expected. They were literate, passionate and focused on their goals. I also believe the Peasants' War has several modern parallels. It demonstrates the dangers of seeking to impose order and restrictions of movement on those at the lower end of the social ladder. Tread on those beneath you heavily enough and you'll provoke an outpouring of anger and hatred that can have bloody consequences. As this US presidential election draws to a close, I think that's a pretty timely message. Until next time, this has been Mike Stutchbury and you've been listening to Bad Europe.